willpower is not about eating less and moving more. Because unless you understand why you actually eat in the first place, you're never going to be able to stop it. You're never going to be able to control it. You're always going to keep going back down that journey that you've already taken before. As soon as anything goes pear-shaped. And I discovered that there's no such thing as willpower. People think, they, you know, you hear it said all the time, don't you? Yeah. Oh, it's willpower. It's willpower. That's what we need. We just need more willpower. Well, willpower, willpower you're right. Willpower is not sustainable. Um, it, it's like trying to hold a beach ball underwater. You can do it for so long and then you can't anymore. Welcome. I'm Dawn Mathis and this is To Your Greatness. Every day you give so much of yourself to those you love. Through this podcast, I'll guide you on a journey to reawaken the greatness that lies within you. In each episode, you'll hear incredible stories of transformation from me and my guests that will inspire you to design and manifest a life that is in harmony with your soul's purpose. You are meant to live the life you'd love. Welcome back, everyone. This is To Your Greatness with Dawn Mathis, and I am Dawn Mathis. I have another guest for you today. This time, it's it's about um, diet and eating and weight and things like that. And as we've talked talked about on um, previous podcasts, sometimes our our biggest challenges cause us to rise up to be higher versions of ourselves. And it's in those moments and at those times in our lives that we can actually realize that we have a new mission or a greater purpose. And uh, I'm so my guest today is Angela Roth. And Angela, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. You're very welcome. So uh, just a little bit about Angela. Angela, I believe you're in the UK, yes? Yes, I'm on the south coast of the UK in Devon. Got you. Okay. That, well, I was going by your, ac- your accent a little bit and... and um, um, just a little bit. <laughs> and I'm from the north of England. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, we're so glad to have you. And I, I realize it's very late there. So thanks for, for staying up and, and being um, on the podcast with us. So a little bit about Angela. She is the CEO and founder of a new business called Shape Shifters Academy. I love that name. Shape Shifters Academy. Can't say that fast, but... Slowly, it comes out all right. So this business is focused on helping emotional eaters find self-belief and confidence and uh, as they try to find their dream weight or their ideal weight and to stay there for life. So it has grown out of a passion and a commitment that Angela has to help emotional eaters discover the self-belief and confidence to attain that healthy weight. And um, she says it comes from years of professional frustration, losing weight. Oh boy, can I relate to that? Only to regain it back just a few months later. And the realization being this, that successful weight loss is about far more than simply controlling what we eat and how much we move. So I am very intrigued uh, with that little bit of an introduction. And so um, 
Angela, I think what I would love for you to do is I would love for you to tell your story, your past struggle, and just kind of how you came to start this business. Um, just take it away. I'm going to let you talk. Well, if I just can take you back to uh, 1975, which is a long time ago, but this was my first day of school. So I'm in a classroom and I'm surrounded by lots of girls all in a black and white uniform. It was the, the school of, of choice for parents to send their daughters to, but you had to pass an exam to get in there. And I was the first one of my sisters and my brothers. Well, my brothers didn't go there. It was a girls' school. So I was the first one of my sisters to get a place there. And so there was a lot riding on this. And I got my, my dad's words in my ears saying, uh, well, go on, Angela, you know, this is the place you're going to be made. This is sort of going to set you up for life. This is a dreams are made here. Dreams are built here. You, you know, the, the world's your oyster. So I knew how proud he, he was of me. And then I've got my mum. You know, I was, I was worried. I was scared because I didn't have any friends there. Nobody from my school was going but mum that morning saying, it's going to be fine. Just smile at somebody. You know, you, you love, you've got a lovely smile. You can smile and you'll be fine. And if you can just sort of picture me standing there, kind of looking around the room thinking, well, I don't know anybody. Who do I smile at? And I saw three girls standing and they were chatting. And I thought, well, there's a threesome. You know, maybe I can be the fourth. And I looked at the girl, one girl. She looked a bit like my sister, one of my sisters. And... The look that I got back was clearly not kind. In fact, there was a look of hatred, really. And I couldn't understand it because, you know, I, I she didn't know me. So how could she look at me like that? And then the teacher came in and I, I, we went. We were told to sit, find a place to sit. And just as I was sitting, there was a whisper behind me, this sort of brushing past me and a whisper saying, you know, you neither think you're going to find any friends here, fatso. Who do you think you are? You know, and I'm going to make sure of that. And it, my world just fell apart, really, at that point, because, you know, I'd, I'd gone to this school with this um, belief that this was a really good place to be. And, you know, within the first sort of few minutes, everything fell apart. And, and looking back then, I wasn't fat. I was a little bit chubby, if that's a word that, you know, I, I was certainly not skinny. But neither was I fat. And I came from a family, a big family, where we were all shapes and sizes and we were all loved. And I knew I was loved. But from that day at school, I didn't know what to do. I couldn't tell my parents because they were so pleased that I went there. And I felt, well, the bully, that's what bullies do, isn't yeah. it? You know, bullies are very good at making you think that you can't say anything. And so my, I developed a new best friend. You know, that girl wasn't right. To say I would have no friends, I developed a new best friend, but the new best friend was chocolate. And it was walking home past the sweet shop to buy a chocolate. Mm. And the chocolate made me feel comforted for, you know, the time it was in my mouth. And it was just something that I looked forward to, really. It got me through the day. And, of course, my weight started to, to creep up. Mm. Um, but I wasn't alone. I have uh, come from a family with five sisters, two brothers, and one of my other sisters also struggled, I discovered. She was four years older than me. So we became sort of partners in crime, if you like. Um, we would comfort ourselves with sort of secret visits to the chip shop on the way home from girl guides or, um, you know, that kind of thing. And mum couldn't really understand why our weight would not, you know, was was heavier. Um 
And it just, so, so really that, that was my sort of teenage years, battling, going to the youth group, but not wanting really to be there. And so some years later, by this time I've got children, my sister's got children, most of us have got children. And sadly, that sister Helena uh, one day took her own life because of being so desolate. She had tried diets. She had dieted all her life. She had been Weight Watchers British Woman of the Year. She'd been sent over to America on all expenses paid trip because she'd lost so much weight and and everything. But you know what? Within the year, she was back at the same weight she'd been to begin with. And she just couldn't cope with it anymore. Uh, when that happened, you know, I, I, well, I was lost. You know, you don't know what to do when you hear that, you know, when you're told that. And knowing why she'd done it, made me realize that I'd got four children and, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. I, I had to find a way out of it. So I did what most people do. I joined a, a slimming club and this was about a year later, armed with who I thought was my new best friend, which was willpower. I sort of marched into that group and went to the front of the room and asked, you know, please, can you help me? I've got to lose weight. I need to get to myself to, to a decent weight. And I did. I lost four stone within three months, four months, four stone in four months, um, and was totally delighted, absolutely excited, ecstatic, thinking this is it. You know, I'm now going to be the place and where I am for the rest of my life. So, so excited that I agreed to take on the group and become a consultant. Um, did all the training and started leading that group and taking the ladies, mostly ladies, through the weight loss plan, helping them lose weight. But you know what was happening inside was I hadn't changed anything at all. And when other things went on in my life, as they did, I went back to eating the chocolate because willpower didn't stay. You know what? Willpower was like as far away from me as, you know, it's just running in the opposite direction. Couldn't see him anywhere. Um, And so the weight came back on. And so I don't know if you've tried wearing that shapewear that you can buy. But, you know, like you have to suck yourself into it. Oh, gosh. And so I would standing in front of the... (laughs) Stand in front, stand in front of these ladies, not only able to breathe because I'm trying to hold myself in because of all the weight that's going back on again, yeah. feeling like a complete and utter fraud. Yeah. You know, just like how am I helping these people when I'm actually not even helping myself? And it wasn't until I, I literally was really honest with myself, and and I thought, Do you know what, this is not about diet, it's not about willpower, it's not about eating less and moving more. Because unless you understand why you actually eat in the first place, you're never going to be able to stop it. You're never going to be able to control it. You're always going to keep going back down that journey that you've already taken before. As soon as anything goes pear-shaped. And I discovered that there's no such thing as willpower. People think, they, you know, you hear it said all the time, don't you? Yeah. Oh, it's willpower. It's willpower. That's what we need. We just need more willpower. Well, willpower, willpower you're right. Cool. Willpower is not sustainable. Um, it, it's like, trying to hold a beach ball underwater. You can do it for so long and then you can't anymore. And then the beach ball pops up and yeah. yeah, So there's more to it. And um, so, so then you discovered uh, that um, awareness is, is really what, what you were seeking is, is, is the, the awareness of what triggers eating and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was really just to go back and say, well, why do I do this to myself? Mm. Why is it that every time I feel something emotional, whether it's, you know, sadness, you know, if it was grief, if it was it um, just tiredness, Mm -hmm. was it being cold, was it being frustrated, was it being angry? Why is it that my emotional response to anything that's not happiness is eating and actually happiness too to be honest yeah. i'd be celebrating with let's you. celebrate let's have <laughs> some know, chocolate for gosh sakes yeah <laughs> i know it's like really every emotion you could think of uh would lead to eating of some kind it was like well why do i do that you know and and then and then feel guilty afterwards because if it was a good thing that i'm doing why do i feel guilty mm. so it, it kind of it began to make me realize that i was looking at this thing totally upside down and and then I began to realize that that is so true for so many people I mean how many women in this world are paying weekly fees to diet clubs and all they're doing is going up and down and the thing that really brought it home to me was this is when I when I started my own business um I got a lady there she'd been a member for 15 years of the weight loss club that I had been a member of and she actually do the weigh-in. She used to do the weigh-in. And she used to say to herself, when well, I'm doing the weigh-in, because it will keep me there. It means I'll go. During the time, that 15 years, she she lost 40 stone. But she'd gone there needing to lose four stone. And she finished when she left, still needing to lose four stone. But in the intervening 15 years, she'd gone up and down 40 stone worth. Because she just kept putting it back on again. And that just summed it up for me. And I just thought, how many other women are like that? So, Angela, constantly feeling guilty for, for myself and for some of us who don't know what stone is. Could you could you define that for? I'm oh, sorry. Uh, no, you know, we Americans <laughs> yes, sorry, we're sorry. a little ignorant about some stuff here. So, can you enlighten us? In kilograms. <laughs> so, a kil- a kilogram is two point two pounds, isn't it? So, a stone is about seven kilograms. So she had she had gone up and down. 280 pounds what during her journey at that club oh my gosh 280 pounds up and down well that can't be good for you she, she, exactly yeah. it isn't is it and how many people do we know that that's happening and and what i discovered was it's just it is literally you know like you've got your genetic heritage so we all know about our family tree and we understand that and we look back and we, it's very interesting to find out with your grandma and you, and so on but what people don't realize is we've also got a food family tree and that down the generations we've got in our past genetically sort of like an imprint all the habits and behaviors that people have put into our lives beforehand mm. And the language around eating and whether it's used as a treat, for example, in our, in your house or whether it's withheld from you or whether you're made to eat things until they're finished. You know, I've got stories of people who had to, you know, eat their porridge for dinner and tea and all the rest of it until they'd eaten it and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, and then you've got times that you had in your childhood that were happy, that were often associated with food. Mm. And as you grow up, you want to get that feeling back, that feeling, that emotional feeling of being loved and cared for. And if that's associated with food in your childhood, chances are that you're going to look for food in your adulthood to satisfy that particular need that you that you want at the time. You know, whether you're lonely or, you know, disappointed or for various different emotions. 
you go back to what made you feel good. You don't realize that what you're searching for is the emotional fix. And you're using the food to find that emotional fix. That, that's very interesting. And something just came to my mind. Um, there's a program out there. I'm not familiar with it, but um, uh, a former client of mine said that she signed up for it. It's called Noom, N-O-O-M. Oh, right, yeah. Um, it, is that about the awareness journey of, of how food, how you use food in your life? Um, do you know much about that program or how, how, how might that be I similar do. to what you're doing? Well, uh, yes. I mean, without wanting to be negative about, about anything, because obviously people, there's a lot of people out there who are trying to help people lose weight. Yeah. The one thing I would say about Noom is it is about habits. They do try and help you um, uncover habits that you might have that aren't particularly good for you in the same way that the club I used to work for did. What they don't help you to understand is where those habits came from and why they're there. And actually, ultimately, although at the time you might be identifying some of those habits, until you understand why they're there in the first place and deal with that thing right in the back, mm. it's very difficult to conquer those habits for good. You'll be able to do it for a period. And that's what I began to realize was happening for many, many women. I mean, men too, but I, I predominantly work with women and it's that emotional connection that we don't understand. And unless you go and investigate it, it's very difficult to conquer it for good. Mm, wow. Phew. So um, you talk about something. Well, we've, we, we've talked a little bit about willpower and why that doesn't really work. It's not self-sustaining. But uh, you also talk about something called instinct power. Um, what can you tell us what the difference is between those two? Yeah, the the instinct, the the, the most the, the biggest instinct all of us got is is self preservation mm. to keep ourselves safe and to keep ourselves protected. Mm -hmm. And so we we will do that without even thinking. It will just come in as a as a as an urge to do it. If you can develop that kind of belief about yourself where food is concerned you are much like more likely to have a long-term lasting relationship so i believe that we're born with four birthrights and that's to be loved to be cherished to be nurtured and to be protected and all of us are born with those birthrights but of course sadly we don't all live with those birthrights because we're all born into different circumstances and we may we may do we may have those things when we're a child we may have been loved but at some point, likely, likelihood is that we will have been hurt in some way or another. Um, we may not, not have that cherish, that nurturing, that protection. That There's different periods in our life when they may not have happened. If we're an emotionally oriented person, then it is quite common, it was very common for us to use food to comfort ourselves because of those memories we've got in, in our past. The, most, the person that can best give us those birthrights is actually ourselves mm. and so for many of us we have to relearn to love and cherish and nurture and protect ourselves and once we've got those things in place once we actually understand what they are and how to do that how to put ourselves in that relationship then we can start looking at food in a different way and so now I will look at food say I'm looking at chocolate for example and I'll ask myself is this food is this chocolate my friend or my foe today, 
Is it really going to help me? Is it a wolf in sheep's clothing? Mm. And if it's my friend, I will eat that in public quite happily. I don't care if anybody sees me because actually I'm giving myself a real treat. It's my birthday or it's a romantic gift that somebody's given me. And why wouldn't I want to share that with everybody that's in that room? If it's my secret friend, then it's really my foe. It's that wolf in sheep's clothing. And the likelihood is I'm eating it behind closed doors. I'm popping my head into the fridge and listening out in case somebody's coming. And then I'm going to close that door fast if they come because mm. I don't want them to see me eating it. And that's the first question you need to ask yourself for anybody that's struggling in this area. You know, is this food that I'm eating my friend or my foe? Is it my secret friend or my special friend? Mm. And when you know the answer to that question, you'll know whether you're treating, whether you're loving yourself and nurturing yourself by eating it. But to get to that place, you need to work on your own self-image and understand that you have a right to be loved. You've a right to be nurtured and cherished and protected. That that's your birthright. And many of us who've struggled with food over the years have given that a birthright away. We don't believe we're worth caring about. Mm. So it's, that's, the, that's really the fundamental thing to deal with first. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. It's, it's, like, uh, it's like the iceberg on the, uh, uh, in the ocean. The part that you see is so much, not, not, not as much as the part beneath the surface. And, and that's where you're talking about going to, um, to discovering self-love and, and confidence and, your self-image for sure. And um, one of the things that, that I coach into is you, you can never outperform your self-image. And so um, that's something you have, you have to work on and there's ways to do it. And it sounds like um, that's one of the, one of the uh, tenets of your program is, is um, self-image. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. It's about that self it is about that realization, just how special you are, you know, as we all are, we're all unique individuals. And it's just really, it's really exciting when you, when you realize and you can take hold of that fact that, you know, that you have a right to be loved. It doesn't matter how people have treated you, you have a right to be loved and that nobody has the right to take that away from you. Not one, not anybody in this world. And, and I'll tell you, the, the, I think the thing that really set me free in that, area when I began to realize that was I began to realize like the girls who bullied me at school and the other situations I mean I had a boyfriend who he thought he was complimenting me by telling me that he didn't really he said I just what was his words um I don't really know why I asked you out Angela because I don't normally like fat girls and he thought this is a compliment <laughs> it's just like he thought I should be glad you know I should be like think that he was a really nice guy because actually he'd asked me out you oh, know man. and those things are life-changing, aren't they? They can really knock you. Yeah. Um, and realizing that actually, you know, those people don't have a right to do those things. And actually, it's my choice, though, whether I let them affect me. And I chose to forgive them yeah. because forgiveness is so powerful. And it's not about the other person saying sorry. It's about you saying that you don't, you're not going to let them affect you anymore. Right. It's about saying, do you know what? I'm just going to let go of that. I'm going to leave it behind me because it wasn't supposed to be, it wasn't mine to carry. That's their problem, not mine. Yep. And the more that you can do that, the more that you can actually release that pain that you've carried, the more you begin to love yourself mm. in the way that you should always have been loved. Yeah. 
And then you can start nurturing your body and putting it into it the things that are going to make it feel good. Exactly, exactly. Um, one of the uh, courses uh, that I that I teach, that I coach into, we're actually talking about forgiveness and self self-image right now. And um, the whole thing about forgiveness is, is, is if you don't have it, um, your, your life is toxic and, and we already have issues with toxicity, uh, around us. It not, not just in our world, but in our circumstances and in our, in our self image. Um, so I, I, I totally agree with that. And, and forgiveness is for us. It's not for the other person. I mean, they're, they're still probably a D bag or whatever else you want to call them, but you know, that's them. And the forgiveness is for you. It's your gift to yourself so that you can move on and that you don't, and you get rid of that toxicity and just, you know, whatever. Yeah. I don't understand bullying, but I know it has to do something with self image and in those people as well that they just, have a different way of manifesting their, their own lack of self-worth. They do. And, and I think that's, as I began to realize that and think to myself, you know what, I don't know what was going on in their life. I have no idea, but you can guarantee that it wasn't good. Mm. You know, maybe their dad was a bully. Maybe their mom was a bully. Maybe their granddad, but something was going on in their past that was making them behave like Mm. that. Uh, but it wasn't my fault that they behaved like that. No. And I didn't need to carry it anymore. And you don't need to believe it. You don't need to believe no. their impression of you. Yeah. Well, uh, sorry, um, everyone. We um, lost connection with with Angela. Um, and, you know, nothing's perfect. And uh, even technology is not perfect. Um, so... Um, I was able to uh, find out the best ways to reach out to, to Angela. Um, one is her website, www.shapeshiftersacademy.com. Um, she also has a Facebook page, Losing Weight for Life with Shapeshifters um, Academy, I believe, or on LinkedIn. Um, you can find her under her name or Shapeshifters Academy. Um, and all of those... Uh, locations to find her will also be in the show notes. Um, So you should be able to reach out to her and and find her quite easily. So just wanted to to make sure we gave you some ways to to reconnect with her. Um, Just want to thank you again for being here. This is To Your Greatness with Dawn Mathis. Stay healthy, stay safe, love somebody and love yourself and we'll see you next time. Take care. Thank you for joining me on To Your Greatness. If you're inspired by what you heard and are ready to take a deeper dive into your own life's purpose, I'd love to offer you a complimentary life reflection session. In this session, I'll help you get clearer about what's been holding you back and how you can rediscover the greatness that lies within you. If this is something you would love, I invite you to head to my website, toyourgreatness.net, where you can take the first step in this journey. Spots are limited, so claim yours today. You are so much more than what you do for others. I believe there is a dream inside you just waiting to be fulfilled. If you agree, I invite you to take that first step and visit 
www.toyourgreatness.net right now. I can't wait to meet with you. My name is Dawn Mathis, and this is To Your Greatness. Remember, your greatness lies within you. See you next time. And if you enjoyed today's episode, I invite you to subscribe and keep listening. Remember to like, share, and review this podcast to help other listeners like you find their way to this heart-centered community. Thank you so much.